0: Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. Of desire. I hold who favor fire. You're listening to Burdens, Episode 5, The Deepest Need. Being human means having desires, lots of desires, powerful desires. And all of these desires have a counterpart, which is called our needs. But here's the thing. Even though we all have the desires and they're very strong, they can't be denied. And we know they're connected to some need. We're not told what the need is. We're not told what will fulfill that desire. Figuring that out is left up to us. And you have to have a great deal of spiritual depth in order to determine that desire. Some of us live our entire lives without ever discovering it, and that can be a very painful existence. Others get lucky, and then some spend a lot of time in prayer and a lot of time thinking, a lot of time paying attention to their experiences and and listening to others who have been through things who are wise, and they finally understand what life is really all about. In other words, they understand what their need truly is. So, here's the story, The Deepest Need. Maybe it'll help you think about what your needs are and how to fulfill them. The Deepest Need. When Nathan arrived at his barn before dawn, he found the door open, sagging on its leather hinges the heavy wooden crossbar lying in the grass several feet away. At first he thought maybe he had forgotten to secure the barn after he finished his work the evening before, but that was unlikely. Like all farmers, Nathan's days were described by a sequence of habits. He rarely broke the routines established in his youth when he first started farming, laboring almost in a trance as though he were possessed by demons. Sometimes he looked back on a plowed field or a barn full of hay at the end of the day and wondered if someone else had performed his duties while he had been sleeping. The barn door was never open before he arrived in the mornings. Nathan began each day by swallowing his wife's bland gruel, drinking a half pint of goat's milk, and grabbing a handful of dates to chew on while he covered the distance between his house and the barn to check on the one new development in his life a prized bull he had nurtured from the time it was a calf. No event since his marriage had affected him like the birth of his bull. He marked time by it. Recent memories were now catalogued as having happened either before or after the animal burst into his dull existence. The bull was born with a call over its head, a rare and portentous sign, to which Nathan signified good fortune, Sadly, the mother sacrificed her life giving birth to him. She was a magnificent animal in her own right. It was as if the farm could not sustain the two of them. One had to go so the other might arrive. When she breathed her last breath, she gave her majestic spirit to her son and destined him to glory. Now Nathan staked everything, his wealth, his family, his reputation, on the bull, If his plans worked out, he could retire early and save himself from the fate suffered by almost every farmer who dies trying to work his stubborn land with trembling hands and a crooked back. Last year alone, the bull sired 42 calves for Nathan and the other farmers in the area. His neighbors would often drop by to covet the sleek creature skipping in Nathan's pasture, his hide dark like the space between the stars and the night sky. They noted the strength of his hindquarters, the fatal, twisted grain of his black-tipped horns, his confident energy. Every farmer within a three-day journey wanted calves from Nathan's bull, a few more years of siring him out, and he would have enough money to let his farm go fallow and relax in his old age. He approached the barn doorway slowly, stalling, so that he could spend just a few more minutes in a world he knew had already gone. The old mule grunted at him from inside. He peered into the darkness of the room's interior, listening for the slightest movement. The air stirred within and carried the smell of damp wood, fresh hay, leather, and animal refuse. Nathan sensed the emptiness within. He could hear the mule shifting in her stall and the goats bleating at him, trying to warn their master that his beloved routines were about to be disrupted. Nothing but silence came from the stall in the back corner. He pulled the barn door all the way open so the morning light could shine on what he most feared and saw the empty stall. Packed straw lined the dirt floor, and the trough sat along the left side, half full of water, but the bull was gone. Where had he gone? Could he have been stolen? Nathan thought of the eyes set in the velvet on the side of the head as large as a saddle, He often stared into the eye and sensed a foreign intelligence there, and wondered what it took in. Did it see the same colors his eyes saw? Did it admire the heifers the way a young man notices a maiden? When that eye met his, what did it register? Did it know him? Nathan could not know the world the eye knew, but he felt it included him, recognized him, and that it was looking for him now. Nathan hurried to the house. He slammed through the door just as his wife emerged from the shadows of the room where they slept. She discerned his uneasiness, but said nothing. He ignored her, and found a few unleavened cakes and some dates and shoved them into a leather satchel. Then he added an old quilted blanket. The bull's gone, he said, feeling the need to explain his behavior. I think he's been stolen. His feet struck the floor heavily as he crossed the room, and his wife felt the shockwaves shudder through the small frame of the house. Nathan pulled on a hooded cloak and slung the bag over his shoulders. I might be away for a few days, he said. The wife finally spoke. Where are you going to look for him? I don't know yet. She watched him cross the floor in determined strides, and a sickening awareness fell over her. You're not going to ask him, she said. Where else can I go, he asked bluntly. Are you going to help me? She lowered her eyes sullenly. I should return in a few days, he said, without looking at her, and left the house, the door banging his farewell behind him. It was early yet, and no one was on the road that wove through Nathan's village. He walked at a pace just shy of a jog. His destination lay on the other side of town after the road faded into a path, in the scrub wilderness alongside a churning stream. It would take him the best part of a day to reach it. No one noticed him as he passed the dark butcher's shop, the cold anvil of the blacksmith, the market's empty tables. Dawn's chorus was just warming up, and the sky turned pink in the east, where the sun would soon expose the world with its impartial light, impervious to bribes. It looked like rain. The air was cool and damp, and reddish clouds rolled across the sky. Thunder sounded in the distance, and by the time he passed the last structure on the main road, his cloak was damp with drizzle. By noon the rain fell in a downpour. He had passed the last house an hour earlier. He sought shelter beneath the spare branches of an acacia, and rested. It had been raining like this the night his bull was born. He was too large for his mother to deliver him on her own, and he had to tie a rope around the calf's forefeet and pull to help her. He wasn't able to save the mother, but her new calf stood sleek and steaming in the blood-soaked straw, his head obscured by the whitish call. When the cow looked up at her son, and then dropped her heavy head with a sigh, the calf glanced at her form lying below him on the floor, milky through the membrane still covering his face, and returned to his proud pose, seemingly unfazed by the death of his mother. The rain showed no sign of letting up, and the acacia provided little shelter from the downpour, so Nathan returned to his journey, chewing on the soggy unleavened bread as he went. He needed to hurry. The more time that passed, the less chance he had of finding his bull. He entered the scrub six hours after having cleared the town. The rain had let up, and the swollen stream directed him through the unbroken wilderness to its banks. When he reached the water, he followed it downstream looking for the old man's house. A high, white wall rose up on the other side of the ravine, cut by the patient waters, and tracked the stream as it cut its crooked way through the wilderness, a strange, inhuman way no man would cut, following the mysterious architecture of God. Nathan knelt on its banks and slaked his thirst in long, greedy gulps, and he could taste the silt from the runoff caused by the recent rain. The undergrowth made the way difficult, and he now took high, loping strides to avoid clumps of water grass and slippery rocks. He reminded himself to take care with each step lest he slip and fall and break something. At times he had to leave the stream, the brush being too thick to navigate. Finally, the old man's mud-walled house appeared like an apparition through the scrub. The light was too dim to see through the windows. But Nathan heard from within the discordant humming of broken vocal cords. He slowed his pace, drawing nearer, unsure whether it was better to announce his approach or creep up to the house and surprise its host by rapping on the door. He opted for stealth, but when he finally came to the door and raised a fist to knock, it sprang inward and revealed a small old man with a long, unkempt white beard. "'and vibrant eyes that simmered beneath long, untamable eyebrows. "'The old man smiled proudly, "'despite the broken gait of teeth that guarded his mouth. "'Speaking to someone behind him, he said, "'We have a guest! Just in time, too. "'The soup's almost ready.' "'He surveyed Nathan's wet cloak. "'Why, look at you! "'You're soaked from the rain, you poor devil! "'You must be miserable. "'Come in, come in, don't be shy. "'What's mine is yours.' Nathan surveyed the single room of the house in the orange firelight and realized this wasn't much of an offer. In the corner, stained, rumpled blankets lay on the floor where the old man must have slept. A rough table and two mismatched chairs sat in the middle of the room. Another chair rested closer to the hearth before the fire. A boiling pot hung from a spit in the stone fireplace. Cobwebs drifted in the corners of the ceiling, A shaggy hide matching the one the old man wore hung from a hook on one of the walls. A small cabinet beside it held a wash basin and a pitcher, a few scrolls, and clay jars with secret contents. Dim evening light issued out of an open window where a raven perched, intently watching Nathan. He realized this must have been the person with whom the old man was speaking when he opened the door. The old man didn't ask Nathan why he was wandering around in the wilderness or why he had come. Instead, he dragged another chair to the stone hearth and invited him to sit down. Dry out there by the fire. The soup will soon be ready. Nathan remained on his feet. You're very kind, but I'm in a hurry. I'm sorry I had to barge in on you like this, but I'm desperate and I need your help. Nonsense, my son. Sit. Sit. You've got to tell me what you need, do you not? why not make yourself comfortable while you tell your story? Then we'll decide whether there is a need for all this hurry. Nathan saw there was no arguing with the old man, so he sat down next to the fire while his host spooned something into a bowl out of the pot hanging over the fire. He gave Nathan the bowl and returned to the pot to make a bowl for himself. Nathan sniffed the broth. The savory steam warmed his face. A bone, and dark viscera of unknown origin swam in the contents. Nathan figured it was best not to inquire about the ingredients, and spooned the broth into his mouth. It was hot and savory. The old man grunted as he dropped into the chair beside Nathan before the fire. He breathed a blessing upon their meager supper, and then said, "'Now, why don't you tell me why you're here?' Nathan swallowed and began his explanation. "'I need your help.' I have a prized bull I've raised since he was a calf. He's my livelihood. More than that, a companion, I guess you could say. This morning, when I visited my barn, I discovered that he had been taken. Taken? How do you know he hasn't simply wandered off? I know my bull. He wouldn't do that. There's no telling what a beast would or wouldn't do. He's different, said Nathan, realizing how silly this might sound to his host. He decided to take a less speculative approach. Someone had lifted the crossbar and thrown it aside into the grass. The latch on the stall had been lifted. There's no sign the animal broke free. Someone led him away. The old man pondered this for a moment, then said, "'So why have you come to me for help? "'I'm not especially qualified to handle livestock. "'They say you know things, things hidden from normal men.' that you can read a man's heart. I once heard someone say, you stopped a river's current to save a child from drowning. The old man's feathery eyebrows took flight for a moment as he considered the legends Nathan told. People exaggerate, he said. I'm just an old fool living in a shack in the wilderness, a scroll with enough mystery about it to scrawl upon it with the dark ink of conjecture. Maybe so, but... I have nowhere to turn. Well, you've wasted your time turning here. The room darkened as twilight made its usual turn. Nathan looked out the window as he considered how he might convince the old man to help him. The setting sun blazed in an aura around the raven, its black feathers on fire with the burning light. The bird cocked its head to one side as if to say, Well, Nathan, what will you say now? Silence passed between the two men. Nathan hesitated, unsure whether he should reveal that he had a history with the old man. Finally, he said, You've helped before, my wife's brother. You tried to save him. The old man stirred his bowl with his spoon. At first, Nathan wasn't sure he had heard him. Ah, so that's you, the old man finally said. He set his bowl on the floor and folded his gnarled hands across his lap. That did not work out too well, as I remember. He died. My wife didn't want me to come. She doesn't believe in you. You should listen to your wife. The old man rose with effort and poked at the fire. Look, if it's money you want, I have a few shekels. Keep your silver. You have nothing I need. So you're not going to help me? Nay. You can't be serious. You mean I wasted all this time bushwhacking through the wilderness to find you? I should have known better than to ask an old man past his prime for help. Now, my son, don't fault me for being old. That has nothing to do with my decision. If life goes well for you, you'll get old too. What's keeping you from helping me? Can't you say a prayer or go into a trance or do whatever it is you do and see if you get any answers? You could at least try. I'm afraid that's not the way it works. Nathan angrily rose from the chair, still holding the half-empty bowl of bone broth. He slammed the bowl down on the table and started for the door. Don't be angry, my son. There's no need to rush away. I'm afraid the wilderness around here is not very friendly after dark. There are jackals, lions, and worse, men. I must search for my bull. If you can't help me... "'I will have to be on my way. "'Please stay, my son, please, trust me. "'You'll not get far in this place at night.' "'Nathan knew the old man was right. "'He could crash in a corner of his house for the night "'and be on his way by dawn. "'He fought a quick battle with reason in his head "'and finally surrendered to the offer of his host. "'The old man handed him a wool blanket. "'It was tattered but clean. "'Nathan snatched it ungratefully out of his hands.' "'stretched his own quilt upon the floor "'and huddled up in the corner of the dark interior "'of the mud-walled shack, "'the firelight playing upon the ceiling. "'The old man spoke softly to the raven "'as he pitched the remnants of their supper out the window "'and rinsed out the bowls. "'Nathan felt his body relax. "'He became very still "'and watched the shadows created by the firelight "'morph into various shapes on the ceiling and walls.' He saw a dark bovine figure bucking in the flames from delight or anguish he knew not. His eyelids grew heavy, and eventually his consciousness succumbed to the theft of sleep, as it always inexplicably does. Nathan dreamed of an ill-defined figure, seated and unstable, its outline unsteady and out of focus. A musk, the earthy odor of hive, assaulted his nostrils, and as he drew closer, he could see that the figure was covered in hornets. A voice spoke his name, his wife's. She was calling him, asking him to rescue her. But when he reached out to seize her by the arm, his hand passed through the swarm, and the figure that cried out to him with the voice of his wife broke into a cloud. He turned and ran, but he could not outpace the hornets. They began to sting him on the hands, on the forearms, on his neck, They filled his eyes and nostrils, digging their way in. His lips had been closed tightly to keep them out of his mouth, but he could no longer resist the impulse to scream. He opened his mouth to cry out, but instead of screaming, he swallowed a swarm of angry hornets. They tunneled into his core. He felt a presence within him, another consciousness knowing him, reading his secrets. Panic gripped his heart. He ran, trying to flee the presence within him, but he slammed into a hard wall, He found that he was blind, or in pitch darkness. The other consciousness was still there, seeing everything. He was naked and vulnerable. He ran in the other direction and hit another wall. Trapped, he wailed a futile cry, and then, Wake up! The old man stood over him, speaking. We need to get an early start if we're going to find your bull. Nathan rubbed his eyes. But last night you said you weren't going to help me. "'I changed my mind,' was all the old man said. "'So where are we headed?' Nathan interrogated the old man "'as they high-stepped the rocky terrain marked by desert scrub, "'tall grasses, and acacia and broom trees. "'The raven flew ahead of them, lighting from tree to tree "'in the cool morning air. "'We're heading through the village on the main road "'and then east toward the highland. "'That's where I live,' exclaimed Nathan. "'He must not be far from home.' The old man made no further comment. After an hour of fighting the unmarked wilderness, they came to the faint path that would eventually become the road into town. The old man stopped, pulled a water skin from his satchel, and drank. Nathan stood impatiently beside him, too eager for rest. The lack of activity gave his mind time to wander back to those early days when the bull skipped through his pasture. He spent hours leaning on the fence, watching him play for the sheer pleasure of it. His wife accused him of treating the animal as if it were his own son. "'You have given up on a family,' she said. "'Shall I set a place for it at our table?' He told her to stop nagging him. If the Lord wanted them to have children, they would have children. And so what if he took pride in his bull? Had he not delivered him with his own hands? Had he not stood in for his mother, feeding him milk a drop at a time until he reached the age of weaning? He could not help it if she had been jealous.' "'He had not robbed her of the ability to have children. "'Was he God? "'Why did she always seem to blame him? "'He couldn't give her children, "'but he could secure for them a future, "'that is, if he could find the bull. "'Let's go,' Nathan said to the old man. "'We don't have all day.' "'By noon they approached the garrison "'on the outskirts of the village. "'The day before, Nathan passed it "'before the soldier reported for the morning watch. "'But today a young man stood roadside.' "'a sword strapped to his left hip. "'Bored by another uneventful day "'and eager for diversion, even one of his own making, "'he thrust out a hand toward the approaching men "'in a signal that read, "'Stop, explain yourselves.' "'The men drew up next to the garrison. "'The soldier recognized Nathan and gave him a friendly greeting. "'Hello, Nathan, what brings you from that direction this time of the day?' "'Wishing to avoid any interference by the authorities,' Nathan gave a clipped explanation. My friend here lives out that way, in the wilderness. He's assisting me with a personal matter. Personal matter? The soldier lifted his chin and squinted at the old man, examining him carefully. Yes, I see no need to bore you with the details, just some business with livestock. The soldier spoke to Nathan without taking his eyes off the old man. How's your bull? I hear he's a magnificent animal. "'Yes, he's a fine bull,' Nathan tried to smile and said. "'Well, if you'll excuse us.' "'Wait just a minute.' The soldier wasn't finished. "'You said this old fella lives in the wilderness?' "'Yes.' "'He wouldn't be the old man who got your wife's brother killed, would he?' If the soldier's recognition disturbed the old man, it didn't show. He turned to Nathan to see how he would respond. "'That was just a misunderstanding.' "'Misunderstanding, I'll say,' mocked the soldier. "'He's supposed to be this miracle worker, they say. "'Dreams of the future makes time stand still,' the soldier snorted. "'Turns out he's just a dried-up old cow chip who gives people false hope. "'I'd chain him up to see what he might do, but there wouldn't be any fun in it. "'On your way, miracle worker. "'Go break some more promises for that silly fool.' "'Come on,' said Nathan, pulling the old man past the garrison by the arm. "'The old man smiled at the soldier as they departed. "'Sorry about that,' said Nathan, "'after they put some distance between themselves and the garrison. "'He doesn't know what he's talking about.' "'They were now on the main road through town. "'Nathan could feel the eyes of the men scrutinizing his intentions. "'He heard the women's whispers, the children's muffled giggles.' He quickened his pace and focused on getting to the other side of town and finding his bull. "'Maybe I should go back,' said the old man suddenly. "'What do you mean? You said you knew where my bull was. Why should we quit now?' Unlike Nathan, who kept his head down, the old man swiveled his head, surveying the town's reaction to their presence on the street. Every head that met his gaze quickly shifted to another direction." "'This animal may be more trouble than he's worth,' suggested the old man. Nathan stopped in the street and turned to face the old man. "'Look,' he explained, "'this isn't just any bull. This is everything. My future. I can make enough money from that bull to live on for the rest of my life. I've been waiting for an animal like this my whole life.' "'Silver has very little to do with happiness.' "'It's not just the money,' said Nathan.' brushing off the old man's words. He's special. We have this... connection. Nathan thought of the clear, dark dome of the incommunicable eye, where a chartless conscious lived. Unknowable, but knowing, as aware of him as he was it. I must find him, he said, his voice quavering. The old man stooped down, picked up a smooth stone, and rolled it in his hand, Maybe you want to find him. Maybe you're looking for something else, he said casually while studying the stone. What do you mean by that? What else would I be looking for? I'm simply saying that few men consider the need, the deeper need, before they start looking for what they think they want. I will help you, but first I will ask you to ponder carefully your need, not your felt need. Your feelings are prone to betrayal your deeper desires. Lungs gasp for air, the stomach growls for food, the tongue thirsts for water. But your soul? What does your soul long for? A bull? Will you sell your soul to a beast? Think carefully, my son. Is that your soul's deepest need? Nathan knew he should be patient with the old man. After all, he had dragged him from his home on this mission appealing to his sense of duty while offering nothing in return. But he grew weary of the old man's hesitation. He knew where his bull was. Nathan was sure of it. The bull belonged to him. Someone had stolen it. The old man could help him find what is rightfully his. Was that not enough reason to go looking for it? Nathan summoned his self-control and sighed. Why does this have to be about my deepest need, old man? Can we not search for what is rightfully mine without making it my soul's foremost desire? The old man pressed his lips together and looked Nathan in the eye. I just need to know this is what you really want. Yes, this is what I want, okay? Nathan had raised his voice and attracted more attention. A group of women along the road stopped their chatting and looked in unison at the pair, "'like a herd of deer snapping their heads "'in the direction of the sound of a broken twig "'and bracing their hind legs for flight. "'So, let us hasten before the sun grows dim,' said the old man. "'An hour later, the two men stood within twenty feet of the bull. "'It munched on a pile of hay on the other side of a split-rail fence. "'Not far away, a pile of brush and deadwood smoldered. "'The smoke blew in the direction of the two men.' cloaking the scene in a suffocating cloud, bespeaking judgment. "'I don't believe it!' exclaimed Nathan, pacing back and forth along the fence, while holding the sides of his head. "'Javen has been my neighbor for more than twelve years!' The bull watched Nathan tiredly, as he munched on the hay, as if he had witnessed the tedious routine of Nathan's outbursts before. "'Don't jump to conclusions!' urged the old man. "'I'm not jumping to conclusions!' "'Javin stole my bull. "'What else could it be?' Nathan's pace quickened, and his face reddened as he pictured his supposed friend breaking into his barn. "'Maybe your bull wandered off, and Javin discovered him "'and secured him here until he was able to notify you or return him. "'That is just what the law requires.' "'No!' cried Nathan. "'He stole him. "'He snuck into my barn and took him.' "'The old man stepped in front of Nathan.' and stopped his pacing. Think about it, he reasoned. He would never get away with it. How do you hide a bull like that? No one ever accused Javen of having a whole lot of sense, said Nathan. He had stopped looking at the old man, and was peering over his shoulder at the brush fire. Nathan, said the old man, trying unsuccessfully to regain the other man's attention, what are you thinking? It was uncertain whether the old man could really read minds. But one thing was certain. Nathan's was unscrutable to him now. The bull had stopped munching and seemed to wait with the old man for his master's answer. An old, rotten barn leaned to one side about fifty yards away, and Nathan kept looking from it to the brush fire and back again. I'm going to get what I need, old man. Nathan strode to the smoldering brush and pulled out a firebrand, In one smooth action, he tossed it into the loft where Javen stored his hay. Despite its looks, the barn had kept the hay dry from the rain that had fallen the previous day. The men heard a low whoosh of combustion, and an orange glow lit the top level of the barn. "'What have you done?' cried the old man. If Nathan heard him, he didn't show it. His hard, expressionless face locked onto the barn." The fire's intensity seemed to have taken over his pathos, as vengeful and outraged as his face seemed untouched by the ramifications of what he had done. The old man ran to the house to fetch Javen. The bull, alarmed by the flames and the black smoke churning from the barn, grew agitated and snorted and pawed at the ground. His eyes, once round and dark, now narrowed, reddened with the reflection of fire. Nathan ran to the gate at the entrance of Javen's pasture and lifted the leather loop that secured it to the rail. He approached the animal slowly with arms outstretched, speaking gently to calm him. "'Easy, fella. You're all right. I'm going to take you home.' The bull lowered its head and snorted and pawed at the ground, drawing up dust so that it appeared that the ground, too, had begun to smolder with fire." His black coat shone with perspiration, and the shoulders flexed with aggression. Easy, Nathan realized. He'd been shouting at the bull the way that he had been yelling at the old man. He tried to smile and calmed his voice. It's just me, Nathan, your old friend. I've cared for you your whole life. Nothing's going to happen to you. It's all over. We're going home. Nathan! Shouts came from the direction of Javen's house. Taking his attention away from the bull, Nathan squinted against the sting of the acrid air and saw two men running toward him through the billowing clouds of smoke. He grinned maliciously and shouted in their direction, "'You won't get away with this!' A low droning rushed from behind him. Turning, he saw that the noise came from thousands of tiny wings— A swarm of angry hornets had flown out of the burning barn toward him. Stings pricked his skin, and another fire, the fire of blind, pheromonal fury, set his arms and neck aflame. The bull bellowed and roared. Nathan turned his attention back to his beast and saw the hornet swarming around its nose and eyes. He fought the pain and tried to form a few familiar, soothing words, but his lips were too swollen by the hornet's stings to speak decipherable sounds, and he could not raise his voice above the thrashing and wailing of the bull. Then something belted him in the stomach and knocked out his breath. He felt an icy stabbing sensation in his core. His hands instinctively dropped to cover the part of his body where he had felt the impact, but instead of feeling the garments that wrapped around his middle, he felt the warm, sweaty hide of his bull. He realized the horizon was moving swiftly down and to the left, and then his body pitched forward. A wind blew in his face, and he saw the back of the bull pass under him. Another impact, this time more jarring, shook his entire frame. He felt his teeth bite through his tongue, and the ground skinned his elbows and knees. A sickening gasp came from somewhere, and when he tried to call out to the old man, He realized the sound had come from his own lungs. His head ached from the black air. His body lay contorted. A red pool spread from underneath him. He had been gored by the bull. The old man led the bull on a limp rope down the road from Javen's place to the adjacent farm. The bull followed complacently, the air-weary raven on its back, judging the world indiscriminately from his perch interested only in what was natural and true, a world stripped of interpretation. They drew up to the house belonging to the next farm and waited. Presently a woman bundled in a wool blanket shuffled out into the rosing light of the dying day to meet them in the road. So he found you then, she said. I'm returning your bull, said the old man. Her eyes moved from the dry blood on one of the animal's horns to the dark eye, round and clear again, no longer filled with panic and fury, empty of remorse. She frowned and snapped her head in the old man's direction. Where's Nathan? she asked. Your husband's dead, the old man said bluntly. The woman could not hold his gaze. She looked to the raven for support, but the bird cocked its head as if waiting for an answer. Have you ever helped anyone who hasn't wound up dead? she asked bitterly. It was now the old man's turn to avert his eyes. This is why I begged him not to find you. Everyone speaks of you as if you're an angel, some kind of miracle worker. You're an angel, all right, an angel of death. Her voice was sharp and bitter, and she forcefully wiped a tear from her eye. You have some nerve coming here like this, with that beast. Why won't you leave me alone? The animal belongs to you. Someone let him out yesterday morning. "'and he wandered into Javen's pasture. "'But I think you already knew that.' "'Nathan's wife looked away toward the sun setting on the horizon. "'I didn't mean for it to come to this,' she said. "'She shivered and gathered the blanket around her shoulders. "'He spent so much time with that beast. "'I had to do everything myself. "'I was losing my mind. "'We never spoke unless it was about that animal.' "'He called it our future. "'We'll never have another worry,' he said. "'He was obsessed. "'I had to do something, you see. "'I just wanted it out of our lives so he would see me again. "'I never meant for him to—' "'The woman's words broke into sobs. "'She wept without shame as if she were alone. "'The old man had disappeared as far as she was concerned. "'The old man pressed his lips together and looked toward the west.' The setting sun bathed his beard in vengeful light. The animal will have to be destroyed, he said. It is the law. The bull registered no reaction to the news of his demise. He lowered his head and grazed on the sparse grass along the roadside. I don't care, the woman sobbed. Good. See to it yourself. I don't want him. Take him away. I don't ever want to see him again. So, peace be with you. Taking flight, the raven led the old man and the docile bull back toward Javen's farm, where the animal's blood would join his master's. Its shadow merged with the old man's to form a stretched-out chimera on the road, while the raven's black, ill-shapen form punctuated the picture on the road behind them. You've been listening to Burdens. For more information, visit DrewKaiser.com.